Hello world, I'm back, episode two. I'm still really new and awkward with this. Let's do it anyway. So for episode two, I took a bunch of notes. So if this sounds a little stale, if I'm looking off screen, whatever, I hope you forgive me. For episode two, I wanted to talk about energy work. Is it real? What is it? What isn't it? Let's delve into that and explore it a little bit. So for starters, I think it's kind of important to define what I mean when I'm talking about energy work, because it's a pretty broad, vague term. Uh, if you just look at the words, energy and work, it means doing any work that involves energy, and that's literally everything. Talking takes energy to do and produces work. Like anything and everything can count as energy work in that matter. So to take it a little bit further, typically we're talking about healing or helping a person by using our own energy. Now that narrows it a little bit, but massage still counts because I'm using the energy in my body to move my muscles, to work on your muscles, to cause a good effect, but even surgeons, surgery would count as energy work by the pure definition of the words, because it takes energy to cut someone out and do a change and make a profound benefit, and that's not what people really mean when they say energy work. So let's take a step back and look at it a little closer. What people mean, what I mean when I'm saying energy work. It's typically something that's pseudoscientific. Pseudoscience or pseudoscientific things, what that means, for those of you that might not know, is something that has little to no good peer-reviewed studies or experiments. And often the experiments that are done are not repeatable, or when they are repeated you get varied results. You know, two different people will get two different results. Uh, or a lot of these pseudoscientific things make claims, you know, they claim to work by a method that doesn't really make sense as far as our understanding and studies of physics and chemistry are concerned. So that's what pseudoscientific means. And to give an example, um, as far as I'm aware, maybe there are better studies out there. And if you know of them, please let me know, comment below. But a good example for something that is pseudoscientific in pretty much all the manners that I describe what pseudoscientific means is muscle testing. What muscle testing is, is you typically, they say it requires two people. There's some people that say you can do it on yourself, but typically they say you need two people. One person to hold their arm out, another person to press on the arm. And the person who's holding the arm out gets asked a question or given a stimulus, a picture, a color, whatever. And the idea is either their arm is going to be really strong and hardly move at all, or get weak and bounce a lot for positive or negative stimulus. <clears throat> um, there are people that supposedly have done a lot of studies on this, and they haven't been very well controlled. Uh, they haven't been done in a good 
double-blind controlled manner. It's been in front of a big audience where they hand everyone envelopes, which supposedly makes it double-blind. It, and it also uses random people to apply the stimulus, the pressure down. It's not a controlled exact same weight every time. Maybe there are someone, some people who've done good studies on this, but not that I've been exposed to, not that I'm aware of. And so two different people putting the same, you know, pressure on someone could get two different responses because they're going to give different amounts of pressure. There's so much subjectivity to this. I've had experiences of people doing muscle testing on me that they were able to tell things that I don't know how else they would have been able to tell. So I'm not saying muscle testing is fake. I'm just saying it's pseudoscientific because the claims of how it works and the experiments that they've given don't have any good backing in terms of understanding of how it might actually work. And they're not repeatable. So I have my skepticism of it, but again, I've also had my experience of it, which makes me wonder if it might be real. And I have not experimented with it myself yet. Of course, my personal experimentations with it are not going to be in that controlled manner that can be published. It's going to be... Oh, there's a specific word for it that I'm blanking on right now. I'm sorry. But it's not going to be up to par with what I would consider a good study to be. Anecdotal! That's the word I'm looking for! <laughs> sorry, world. My own experiments will be only anecdotal evidence, which is evidence, but it's not of the same quality as something that is done controlled in a lab with controlled other experiments done. You know, you have your experiment, then you have your control. You have a double blind, ideally, and a controlled double blind, and all this stuff. So typically, to get back to what we're talking about, energy work. Typically, energy work is pseudoscientific and claims to make profound benefits for the client, for a person. And to take it a step further, typically it's non-invasive. You know, surgery being the most invasive thing that we have that makes profound, wonderful changes to a person. Uh, but surgery is not pseudoscientific and it is very invasive, so it is not energy work. Whereas something like Reiki, which people claim to be able to do from across the globe, uh, you know, you'll have a phone conversation or a Skype call with someone, and then many times they can even hang up and still perform it on you. They make claims to be able to do it with, you know, the weight of your hand is the most that I've ever heard claimed needed to do energy work. And typically people claim to be able to do it from across the room, if not across the globe. So the bullet points, even though I just said them all, for what energy work is in my definition, requires little to no contact, you know, very non-invasive, claims to make profound beneficial changes and has weak to no scientific backing. I do want to do a future episode on the science behind energy work, looking into some of the studies that are being done and have been done. 
uh, and more than just energy work, alternative medicines in general, and there may be multiple episodes on that. But for now, I'm not going to explore the actual studies that are done. Now that we've given it a definition, is it real? So talking about if energy work is real or not is kind of tricky. Uh, some of what I'm going to say here is objective facts. Some of what I'm going to say is subjective opinions and beliefs and experiences. Uh, some of what I'm going to say, I like to think, sort of bridges the gap between the two. And I hope you understand what I mean by that as I'm talking. But much like discussing God and religion, a, a lot of this can't be proven or disproven. A lot of the stuff is really, really hard to find a way to test, to come up with an experiment for. And so a lot of this comes down to belief. So do I believe energy work is real? Well, yes and no. Uh, I'm gonna say mostly no, but you know, I really, yes and no. I think that most people claiming to do energy work are full of it. They're fakes. At least 90% of people out there who claim to be doing energy work are not doing energy work. They're not doing something that is essentially magic. You know, 90% of the people out there, I don't believe we're doing it. I think it's much like the old and some modern uh, fortune tellers. You know, most are lying to either you, themselves, or both. Uh, for those who don't know, the old fortune tellers used to be really good at reading you, your body language, your, your shape, uh, what your face looked like, and, and leading you on with certain questions to tell what it is that you wanted. And so from how you walked in the door, they could take a very educated guess on whether you're sad or curious, and from talking just the first couple sentences with you, they could tell, are you looking for love? Are you hoping to talk with a dead one? And they were fakes, you know? They were really good at quick psychology, at trying to understand what you wanted, what you needed, and give it to you in not a real way. They weren't actually communing with the dead or seeing the future. Um, so I think a lot of energy workers are doing that. They're helping you feel good without doing anything, really. You know, uh, basically, I don't think you can cure cancer because you took a couple weekend classes. And, and yes, I'm being a little glib with that statement. Uh, there are actually demonstrated benefits from getting a... Reiki session, I believe is what they have studied, but again, I'm gonna go into the actual studies in another time. But there are demonstrated benefits from getting a session from a recent practitioner. Uh, the benefits are generally fairly mild. They're real, but they're fairly mild. Uh, the point is that most people make bigger claims than reality can actually produce. And so in that sense, they're fakes. You know, I, I do believe there are some real practitioners in the world who are able to do fantastical things that we 
cannot understand how. Uh, I believe that to be like that, though, they had to study and practice for years. And that with all of that, they are on par, if not surpassing the best manual therapists. You know, they, they trained in their discipline and their modality and specialty. You know, no, no one's good at everything. Even massage therapists tend to have their specialty or their niche. You know, acupuncturists have their niche, their specialty. And I think the same thing would apply for energy workers. Uh, but most people don't do that. They don't spend the years training. They do a couple of weekends. They pick up a couple of tricks. And if what they're actually doing is really energy work, I don't know. Um, that said, I've taken a weekend class, and I wonder if I can do a little bit. So, I've had some experiences that make me think it's real. I've had some experiences that make me think what I'm doing is completely bull. I'm still exploring this and trying to see what I really believe I can and can't do. And I'm very open with people that I don't know what this is. I don't know if this is actually the right thing that's beneficial. I don't know if this really is the, the magical energy work that people claim. I try to be honest and upfront with my clients. And if someone says, I don't want that, I don't do that. I will give them a traditional manual therapy massage. But we are exploring what is energy work. So let me tell you a little bit about what I feel when I'm doing energy work. I feel a tingling sensation in my fingertips, sometimes going all the way up my arm, sometimes going all the way up into my chest, but it, it feels kind of like pins and needles, like when your arm's falling asleep. And when those pins and needles go away, it's done. And I have talked with multiple clients to say, oh, does this point feel sensitive? And they oftentimes would go, yes. And once the pins and needles in my arm go away, I ask them, does this point still feel sensitive? And they'll go, no. I've even had some where it, literally I can feel the muscle underneath my fingers tighten up and relax as the pins and needles in my hand gets bigger and smaller. And the client feels that as well. But it's specifically experiences like that that make me wonder if it's not energy work at all, if I'm doing some form of trigger point therapy, which is a controversy into itself, that is for another time, or there are actually other podcasts and shows that you should watch that will get into that in much better detail than I probably ever could. Uh, the Concast is one of them. Connor Con oh, The Concast. Great podcast for people interested in manual therapy and the science of a lot of stuff. And he has an episode on trigger point ther uh, therapy that what are trigger points. I highly recommend that if you're all curious on what that is. Back to what we're talking about. <clears throat> when I feel those pins and needles in my arm that correlate perfectly with a muscle getting tight and relaxing, I wonder if it's just my subconscious. Not sure how to interpret what I'm feeling and going, it feels like pins and needles. Let's, let's just interpret it this way. Uh, you know, the, the subconscious is capable, the, the mind is capable of being a little confused and just interpreting things in weird ways. And maybe when we feel something weird, we're like, that's energy work. That's the, the weird feeling. But really, I'm just 
feeling the tension under my fingertips or I'm just sensing something out of the corner of my eye or hearing something or smelling something. You know, we have more than just the five senses. Uh, this is demonstrator. Our sense of time is a sense. So it could be some other sense is picking something up and we aren't consciously aware of it and we just sort of interpret it in this weird manner and we think that's energy work. And maybe that's one way that many of these fantastic practitioners kind of lie to themselves. They're, they're not actually lying to themselves. They just don't fully understand it. And the best understanding they have is I feel a thing. Something really happens. It's energy work. But it might not be. It might be you feel a thing. Your subconscious interprets it in a weird way. And a profound beneficial thing happens to the client. And it's not necessarily energy work. It just isn't necessarily understood yet. And it feels like energy work because your body doesn't know how else to interpret it. Another possibility for what energy work is, though, because I have a few more ideas here, maybe people were taught that way. And, and hear me out, not just, not just the language, not just taught in terms of how to communicate in the way that people with energy work talk and communicate, which has its benefits, and more on that in a minute, but imagining that you are sending your energy out can actually help you do a technique properly. There's this old TV show, maybe not that old, or maybe I'm dating myself by saying it's not that old, called Mind, Body, and Kick-Ass Moves. And I looked for a clip for this on YouTube. I couldn't find it. Uh, yeah, it was in episode four. What this show is, is this guy travels around Asia uh, learning tips and tricks and interviewing martial arts masters. And just before and after the, uh, the credit, the, uh, the commercials, it cuts to him back in his home country showing little tricks to lay people, random people in the street or, or factory workers. And one of the tricks he shows in episode four is how to send your energy out to make yourself stronger. And this is a great example of how the best way to do this technique is to imagine sending your energy out. The best way to teach it is to tell someone, send your energy out. If you have a better way of how to teach this technique, let me know, I'd love to hear it. But let me show you what it is. And for those listening, I'm gonna do my best to describe it. So this is something that does take two people. Sorry for that loud chair slide. I'm just trying to get into the shot here. <laughs> so one person, usually the smaller, older, you know, the person that doesn't look as strong, puts their hand on someone else's shoulder and they hold it straight. And the person who's standing there and now has a hand on their shoulder puts their hands around the other person's elbow. They're going to bend the elbow. And the person who has their you know, arm out straight, hand on the shoulder. Don't let that elbow bend. Hold it straight, hold it strong. As the other person tries to bend your elbow, it's gonna bend. Because you have no strength there. And then they show you, the martial art master shows you the trick of how to send your energy out. And they do two things, both of which are very important. Number one, is they turn your hand over. 
So now it's palm facing up, still resting on the shoulder. And number two is they say, don't try to keep your arms straight. Don't even think about that. What you're gonna do is you're gonna send your energy out. You're going to reach, reach, touch the far corner of the room. If you're outside, touch that far building or that tree a hundred yards away. Stand there and reach and imagine you're touching it. Don't even think about keeping your arms straight. Just touch that point way out there. And suddenly, when the person tries to bend the arm, it's a lot stronger. The easiest way to teach that is sending your energy out. But what's actually happening, remember I said two things. Number one, in turning the hand over, you're actually aligning the bones and muscles in the arm better. Palm down, the radius and ulna are actually crossed. And so a lot of muscles aren't able to work as efficiently and effectively as they want to because they're getting crossed and squished. So straightening the bones, that alone helps. And second thing, sending your energy out, trying to touch something, instead of just trying to resist the force that you feel, that's only gonna activate the major muscles that straighten the arm. But trying to reach and touch something far away, now you're activating every single little muscle that crosses that joint that helps keep the arm straight because you're reaching. So you're activating more muscles more efficiently. So between those two factors, your arm's a lot stronger. It's got nothing to do with actually touching that tree a hundred yards away. It, you know, whether you're actually sending your energy out or not is, is moot. The, the point is that that's the best way to teach it. I don't know a better way to teach it. And so a lot of these energy workers are taught that way. And they're doing these phenomenal real things that if or when studied, will have a real scientific backing. And it might continue to be taught in that manner because that is a really effective teaching tool. I'm gonna scooch my chair back, sorry. Oh, that was a little quieter, good. And now to check my notes, what was the next thing I was gonna suggest? Ah, yes. Well, Firstly, that last thing I was just talking about was basically a visualization technique, which pretty much everyone knows about that. And there are, there are studies, again, I can't reference them unfortunately, but there are studies done on people imagining themselves doing something and then able to do it better. And visualization techniques are used in all sorts of ways, all sorts of manners, and energy work is just kind of one form of visualization technique. But another explanation for it is getting back into that language of how to communicate. It might just be a rudimentary understanding of physics. Uh, the language used by energy workers is, is really how I might explain physics to a five-year-old or how they might have understood it 2,000 years ago when some of these original books were written. Uh, some of the oldest medicine books for Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicine, Indian medicine, are about 2,000 years old. 
there's some good arguments to say there are even older books in both countries about the medicine, but uh, the in Ayurveda, I'm going to pronounce this horribly. I am sorry for anyone that knows how to pronounce this properly. The Charaka Samhita is about 2,000 years old, give or take about 200 years. And for Chinese medicine, the Huan Di Nei Jing, or the Yellow Emperor's Classic of Internal Medicine, is about the same age, give or take about 2,000 years. And both of those, there's debates and arguments for how old they really are. Uh, I know more about the Huan Di Nei Jing because I've been studying a little bit of acupuncture and Chinese medicine in my free time. Uh, and there's arguments to say that it's up to 5,000 years old because it makes references to people from back then. And clearly it was handed down and just wasn't actually written down until 2,000 years ago. But we don't really know. At, at any rate, these medicines are at least 2,000 years old. That's pretty safe to say, which is really old at this point, at any point. <laughs> and so a lot of the language used is that old. It comes from that sort of a root. And so their understanding of physics back then would have been roughly how you'd explain physics to a five-year-old now. And sure, you might swap out words. You, know, you might say ki or chi or prana. Ki being Japanese, chi being Chinese, prana being Indian. Or you might say energy. And to try and describe what it is, you'd say it in a very similar manner of it can't be created or destroyed. It is what's used to do anything. Any movement in the entire universe requires energy, requires chi. It, it can't be anything but harnessed and changed. And it flows through all of us. And suddenly I'm starting to sound really out there and spiritual, but this is how you describe energy in physics, whether it's electrical energy or fire energy or kinetic energy or potential energy. Energy cannot be made or destroyed, only changed or harnessed. Like really only changed. And just as it's changing, we try and have it change and go through something that's beneficial for us. And this is exactly how energy workers describe and talk about things. It's, it's a really good narrative to try and explain things very simply to people. Uh, let, me, let me give you an example of how when I was in massage school, I heard two people talk about very similar techniques in very different manners. So I had taken an intro to acupressure, which is acupuncture, but instead of using needles on the points, you just put your finger on it and press and wait the appropriate amount of time. And my acupressure teacher was an energy worker. He talked about sending your energy to the point and feeling the point to feel when it's ready to move on or not. And about a week or two later, I had a class with another teacher that was very much based in science. And the science teacher taught us something called engagement techniques. 
you know, passive engagement and active engagement. I use these techniques all the time. They're some of my favorite techniques to use. And the idea behind it is you are working the muscle, but while you're working the muscle, you're engaging it. Now, I can move the muscle or I could have the client move the muscle. And that is passive versus active. And the teacher who was showing us this was showing us specifically using these techniques for muscles that you can't really reach otherwise, deep internal muscles, like the psoas, which is your deepest abdominal muscle. And so to try and reach in and work that muscle, you have to reach through all the other muscles and organs that are in the way, and you're not gonna reach and touch that muscle directly. But if you know the action of the muscle, you can just move the muscle directly. And what that muscle does is it flexes the hip brings the knee towards the chest. And so he said that if you place your hand over the psoas muscle on the stomach and then move the leg, that you're going to get a more profound effect. And I asked him how that works. We were all curious. Why, why does that work? And he said that the pressure you're putting on there, you know, moves through everything. You are putting pressure on that muscle but you don't need a lot of pressure for it to be effective, just a little bit. And I, I straight up asked him, is this energy work? Is this, you're putting the pressure and the intention and sending your energy to that muscle, and then as you move it, you get a greater effect. And he said, I don't believe you can send energy outside your fingertips. I don't believe in any of that. I think what you're doing is by laying your hand on the belly, you're innervating the nerves, you're stimulating the nerves that innervate that muscle. And you are putting physical pressure through everything else, even if it's diminished by the time it reaches that muscle, it is a measurable effect. And so you are affecting the nerves that innervate the muscle and putting physical pressure on that muscle. And then when you move it, it creates a greater effect because of that. And I sat there thinking, isn't that exactly what energy work is? Taking my energy through physical touch to send it into someone else, it, it's the same thing. It's sending my energy through however many steps it takes into someone else to create a beneficial effect. It is the meeting point of energy work and physical body work. And I really think that a lot of times energy workers are saying things that are accurate and just using language that sounds, for lack of a better word, it sounds uneducated. And by uneducated, I do not mean stupid. I mean, having gone to higher educated, education, higher learning, uh, understanding the, the language and the words for some of the more complicated papers that are out there. Some of the smartest people I've ever met are not very educated. Some of the dumbest people I've ever met are incredibly educated. And, you know, vice versa too. Some of the smartest people I know are very educated and some of the dumbest people I know are not educated. There's everything everywhere. This is just the best wording I've heard to try and make that distinction between smarts and education. And it's, it's not perfect, but I hope you understand what I mean, that the language used in energy work is not necessarily incorrect or wrong, it is simplified. And because it is different words, it's a different way of simplifying from how a scientist might choose to simplify, it 
sounds wrong, but isn't necessarily. And this goes right into the last thing of what energy work might be, and that is a good narrative. Uh, a lot of this language is very intuitive. It, it helps people, it helps clients take control of their lives. If you're always in pain, one thing that you need is control. And one thing that gives you control is understanding. And if you're given, even if it's not the most scientifically accurate description, if it's not wrong, or if it gives you an understanding of what's going on with you, it gives you a sense of control. And it gives you an action plan, a path forward of what you can do to make things better. And that's what I mean by a narrative. And there's many narratives in health that are not necessarily the most accurate scientifically. But they are proven to be beneficial and helpful if you follow this steps, if you follow this plan, it is very likely, there's no guarantees, but it is very likely to help you out. And a lot of the energy work narratives are like that, I think. Again, I'm not sure how many of them have really been tested and experimented, but I know some of them have been. I mean, the worst case scenario is we're just harnessing the power of placebo with energy work narratives. And that's less than ideal, but placebo is pretty darn powerful. We're still studying that and trying to learn how to harness that. And I think to a certain extent, a lot of these energy techniques and, and old school traditional medicines, uh, I think a lot of them kind of figured that out a long time ago. And there's a lot more research in how to harness placebo in some of those classical medicines that we need to look into. Um, but placebo and all that stuff might be a better discussion for another time. For now, energy work is generally harmless. That's you know one of the best things about it is because it's so non-invasive, it's incredibly safe. Um, there are a few exceptions, most notably when someone says to get energy work and completely ignore your doctor. You know, that, don't do that, don't do that. You know, listen, listen to your doctors. Um, in my experience though, most practitioners I know that do energy work don't do that. They, they have their own primary doctor. <laughs> they refer clients to doctors when something's outside of their scope. They do that all the time. They may encourage a client to get a second opinion, do some of their own research, have a healthy skepticism of what one doctor says, but that's very different than denying all of modern allopathic medicine. So with that caveat, with that said, energy work is safe and usually beneficial. Again, in a future episode, I will go into the possible science. I will reference studies done on the effects and benefits of energy work. And if I come across any studies that demonstrate negative results, I'm going to include those too. I want to be impartial here and 
show what the science is, and I'm going to try and do really good research. And if you have any good studies for me to look into, let me know. Post them in the comments. But for now, I hope you'll take my word that there are studies proving that energy work is almost always beneficial. How great the effect, what's actually happening, those debates will be discussed at another time. So, in summary, is energy work real? Possibly. I don't know. A lot of it depends on your definition slash belief of what it is. Is it a teaching method? A way of simplifying complicated concepts? A narrative meant to give someone direction? Your brain interpreting things weirdly? Or a yet-to-be-understood method of actually physically healing someone? A lot of this is up for debate and needs to be explored and studied further to get a straight answer. Like, we are not there yet. I think it's real, but I'm not certain. What I can say, though, is it is generally safe, and I'm quite certain it is good for you. Again, how good is up for debate, but I'm quite certain that it is beneficial. So, on that note, I'm going to say goodbye. Let me know what you think. If you like it, if you hate it, I want the truth. Till next time.